We have been uh, steadily making our way through Matthew for the last few months, and Matthew has, has taken us closer and closer and closer to the culmination of Christ's mission here on earth, uh, the cross. And this morning in the 26th chapter, before we get to the cross, we want to stop off in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this morning we want to spend time in the upper room prior to the garden, prior to the prayer, where God would send ministers to minister strength to Jesus. And we're going to look at the, uh, the last Passover that Jesus shared with his disciples. And I kind of thought about this as the last Passover, but the first Lord's Supper. Uh, and that's kind of cool. Last week, uh, one of our missionaries, Dirk Mayer, storied us and took us to Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, we, we saw the beginning. We saw the reason of why we need a Savior, why we need a Passover lamb. Because in Genesis 3, the creation that God had created, the man and woman, sinned. And as a result of that sin, the relationship with God was broken. And there in Genesis 3, we had the, the prophecy that it would, it would be the Son of God. It would be Christ who would come then and ultimately deal with the problem of sin. And we remembered then last week as we concluded the service with the, with the, the Lord's table, with the communion table. It was in remembrance of, of that relationship and what he did to, to renew that relationship. So this morning, we want to pick up in Matthew 26 and look at this account. Now, there's parallel accounts in every one of the Gospels. This is the, um, the Passover right before Jesus' crucifixion. So Mark has, uh, in Mark chapter 14, in Luke 22, and in John 13, are, are parallel accounts of this. So there's some things that, that just, as I read this, that I want to share with you that I thought, wow, uh, that just stood out to me. Let's, let's take a look. Let me pray, and then let's, let's go into God's Word. Now, Heavenly Father, let your Holy Spirit come and be our teacher. Lord, if there's any preaching done, let it be you this morning. Open our minds and our hearts that we would be attentive, that your word would find a, a receptive soil in our hearts and our lives so that you can do in each of us what you've desired from the beginning of creation. In Christ I pray, amen. Matthew chapter 26, we're picking up at verse 17. Now, the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare to eat the Passover? And he told them, Go into a city to such a man and say to him, The master says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Now, Mark and Luke tell us that Jesus told them to go into the city and they would find a man carrying a, a pitcher of water. And they were to follow him. Very unusual. Usually, it wouldn't have been a man's responsibility to carry a pitcher of water. It was kind of a little bit out of ordinary. But they said, follow him. And when he goes into the house, see the man of the house there, the householder, and tell him that uh, they would need a place to share the Passover together and it's be prepared for him. Verse 19 says, and the disciples did as the Lord appointed them and they made ready the Passover. Now, the first thing that just uh, stood out to me as I was reading this is that God is always in control. God is always in control. Jesus is less than 48 hours away from saying it's finished. 
He's less than 48 hours away from, from giving his life on the cross. And, and rather than running around panicking, rather than, rather than, than doing all these things, he's, he's in completely in control to finish this. And in, in fact, as, and we'll see just a little bit later in the scriptures, as Jesus is sharing the Passover and as he's changing the Passover significantly now because he's calling attention not to the lamb, the Passover lamb, but to the lamb of God, to himself. And in doing that, he would have, in the Passover, he would have taken uh, cups of, of, of wine at different times. And the fourth cup would have been the cup of blessing. And as he shared the cup of blessing, it would have been tradition that he would have sang uh, some scripture. And that scripture is found in Psalms 118. And, and I want you to, to, uh, to look, look at what he would have sang that night. Just, remember, they're, they're going to leave here and go to the garden. Jesus is going to be, be betrayed there at the trial, the crucifixion. Just hours. Listen to what he would have sang. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. And this is talking about God's strength. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Now look, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Man, man. I mean, I'm sure the full impact for the disciples would probably only come later when they realized what had been shared, oftentimes like with you and me. God does a work. God shares a word. And we're like, okay, okay. And then later we realize, wow, okay. Hindsight is always clear, 2020. So Jesus would have, would have shared this. And it's interesting to me to know that Jesus was saying, hey, I'm going, it's going to be complete. But it was in God's timing. It was not in man's timing. It was not in Satan's timing. It was in God's timing. And listen to me. Wayne, it's so good to see you here this morning. One of my heroes, Wayne Sailors. So good to see you. As I was thinking about this, I think, you know, it's not only in Jesus' life, but in our lives. God's plan for your life and my life, he has a plan. And it's in his timing. There's some things about God that this Passover reminds me of. It reminds me that God is in control. And there's some things about God that we need to remember that. One, we use a big word that says that God is omniscient. And what does that mean? God knows everything. God knows everything. There's nothing that God says, oh, wow, never thought of that. Yeah, there, there's nothing. And an amazing thing is that God, this is always amazed me. There's, I, I, I think, I was telling Sharon somebody, Barbie and I are going to, to, close to 50 now. Some, we're ahead of some of you, we're behind some of you as far as our years of marriage. But I'm sure there's things about me that humanly Barbie knows that nobody else knows. And she still loves me. That amazes me. I, I try to keep a picture of when I was younger and had hair and it was dark. And I was 6'4 and, and weighed 195. 
and, and, and I try to keep that picture before her. And a lot of times she says, who is that? And I say, that's what I used to look like. Don't you remember? She don't remember that. But, <laughs> but there's things that, that she, only she knows about me. But there are things that not only that Barbie doesn't know about me, that God knows about me. He knows everything. And I'll tell you something. He knows everything about you. Everything. And the fact that he loves me is overwhelming. He loves you. There's not a one in here this morning. And I want to tell you something. God doesn't love Jerry Helton or Jim or anyone. Got everybody's name. Yeah. I'll say Jim, Jim. He doesn't love anyone more than he loves you. He loves you. God loves you. And the fact that he knows everything and he knows what's coming into our lives. And he has the answer that you're looking for. It may not be the answer that you think you need. There's a sign that out front that Sunshine Ministries had years ago uh, when Bill and Bobby Honecker were there and they came and did a seminar. And the sign says, Jesus is the answer. I told, uh, I sat with a family this week that uh, had gotten really, really, really bad diagnosis, a real bad physical diagnosis. And I told them, I said, you know, years ago when I was just a young pastor and a young husband and a young father, I, I thought I needed to know answers. Felt like, you know, as a father, I needed to know those answers. As a husband, I, I needed to know answers. And as a young pastor, people would look to me to, for answers. And I knew so much then. <laughs> and I said, but I've come to a place in my life now where I don't, I don't have a lot of answers. I forgot all those, but I said, there's one thing that I've never forgotten. And that's who he is. And how much he loves you. And how much he loves us. God knows everything. We need to remember that. Passover reminds us of that. Not only we use a big word omniscient, but we use another big word that says God is uh, is uh, omnipresent. And what does that mean? He's everywhere all the time. Everywhere all the time. You, you can't go where he ain't. You can't get away from him. He's there. He's there. And I'll tell you something. When, you, when we get to tomorrow, we're going to find that he's already there. He's already there. God is everywhere. You'll find him. And as a believer... We have his promise that he is with us and will never leave us or abandon us or forsake us. Now, there's another word we use to describe God's control, his sovereignty. And that word is a big word. It's called omnipotent, right? It sounds, you know, what, what does that mean? All powerful. He's all powerful. You know, and, and, and there is, he is strong enough. He knows everything. He's everywhere, and he's strong enough to move the biggest mountain or obstacle that's in your life this morning. Whatever trial, whatever pain, whatever tragedy, God's still on the throne. Now, I know we looked this morning and Tom prayed and I hadn't even got the word of the Dayton shooting till, till first service, but I heard a little bit last night. Yesterday we were upwarding, so didn't listen, didn't get a lot of the news. Just got word of what happened in El Paso. 
then Dayton this morning, I was shooting up there last uh, early this morning, I guess. And there's, there's, you know, people look, sometimes people look that, sometimes look, people look at, at horrible, horrible things that happen to, to kids or to, in, to young peeps, innocent people. And they say, if God is God, if there's a God and he's all-powerful, why does he let that happen? If there's a God and he's good, then why did he let this happen? And I don't have the answers a lot of times for that. But this I know, this I know. Jeff, uh, Dirk last week took us back to Genesis 3, remember? And in Genesis 3, with Adam and Eve, with their disobedience to God, sin entered the world. And through sin, Romans tells us, through sin, death entered the world. And I think well, as we look around today and we see the tragedies around us, I'm convinced that we see evidence of people that have lost the value of what human life really is worth. It's been devalued. We've lost sight of that. There's people, I'm convinced that we see people who, who have, who have really come to the conclusion that, that my life is, has no meaning. So what's the use? What's the purpose? And they have, no, they have no reason to go on. They have no goal to go on. And so they resort to crazy things. Without God in our lives, I wouldn't want to face the world. I wouldn't want to face what's out there. But God is big enough. God is strong enough. And what I've experienced from him is that we trust him. When we don't understand, be careful that you don't throw up your trust. Let me share this with Melissa. Share this with me, Melissa and Ray. About three Sundays ago now, it may have been two, I'm not sure. Ray woke up and he couldn't see good out of his left eye. Something was going on. So he went to the ophthalmologist that Monday and did tests, and they said, Ray, you've, you've, you've had a stroke, man. You've lost 25% of your vision. And Ray said, well, can I get it back? He said, you'll never gain it. You've had a stroke. You, you need to go see a doctor. As a result of that, and I'm shortening the story, but verify, Ray and Melissa here, they go to the doctor, the doctor checks, checks his carotids, and he says, oh, man, you got some blockages there, maybe 70%. We're going to set you up for surgery. They did surgery this week, and when the doctor came back, it was 90% blocked. And Melissa, I think your words were to me. The doctor said, if we hadn't have done this surgery, it's very, very, very likely that sometime within a year, you'd have had a major stroke. And you know what Melissa said to me? She said, we learned to thank God that he had had this thing with his eye because we would have never went to the doctor and got it checked. Isn't that true? Listen, we can't judge by today's tragedies what God's going to do with that. But we can trust him that he's in control. Now listen to me. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted him as your savior, basically what what we're saying is, I can handle it. I'm strong enough to handle whatever comes into my life. I'm wise enough to handle whatever comes into my life. I can figure it out. Oh, my friend. 
Jackie would say, how's that working for you? Yeah. God is in control. And we learn that. We see that in this first Passover. God is in control. The second thing we see in picking up in verse 21, it says, in, and as they ate, Jesus says, verily I say unto you, one of you is going to betray me. And they were, they were really upset. And they all began to say, Lord, it's not me. I'd never do that. It ain't me. It ain't me. And then Jesus, in verse 23, he dips his hand with them. And he said, he that dips his hand with me in the dish is the one that's going to betray me. The Son of Man goes as written of him, but the woe unto the man, whom the Son of man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, said, Lord, is it me? And Jesus said, yep. Now, that's, yep, is North Georgia Hillbilly for Greek, thou hast said. Oh. <laughs> yep. Second thing we learn is this. Sin is never hid from God. He loves us. But sin is never hid from God. I'm convinced that Judas had not shared with the rest of the disciples, hey guys, we've been, we've been going around, we, you know, we've been walking around with, with the big man here for three, three and a half years. Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna force his hand. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn him over and let him, still let him deal with the big, big religious group. I don't know. I don't think he shared that with anybody. But Jesus knew his heart. He knew his intentions. And he knew what his actions were going to be. Now, as I, as, I, as I share this morning from Matthew 26, only a few of you know how hard it is for me not to go to John 13. John 13's account, and, and I'm just going to run there and come right back. I'm going to stay there. I could, though. I'd love to. John 13 tells Jesus, tell, John is telling about the same Passover. And in John 13, remember, it's where Jesus takes off his coat and he gets a bowl of water and he washes his disciples' feet. Even Judas even Judas. And he says to him, now you know what I've done? I've been a servant to you. And I'm thinking, Jesus knows in less than 48 hours he's going to be hanging on the cross. It would have been a good time for Jesus to say, hey guys, I'm fixing to die. How about somebody washing my feet? How about somebody serving me the bread? No. He was a servant. He was a servant. So I don't think think Judas had shared this, but Jesus knew it, and Jesus loved him. And it's the same way, you know, how could Judas Judas have been with Jesus all this time and not realize Jesus knows? He knows. How do we not realize that? Jesus knows everything about us. He knows our heart. We may think we're fooling others sometimes. We make him fool some of them sometimes. But we may have these secret sins. The thoughts that we let run wild, that we don't take captive by the Holy Spirit of God. The speech that is controlled, never say that in church. Language, the business deals. That we say, well, the world, that's the way the world operates. And we just bought into it and can be as slick and as Teflon. But the real 
The Passover meal reminds me that there's nothing hid from God. And let me, let me just say this. Secret sin, and that's a misnomer. It's a misnomer because none of our sin is secret, okay? But, but hidden sin, I think it's Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28, 13. Somebody read that. Somebody look up Proverbs 28, 13 real quick. That's the worst I want, and I've lost the, I've lost the words to it. He that, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But who, sir, you got it, Denise? Yeah, 28, Proverbs 28, 30. Stand up, Bernice, and read that for me. Whosoever confesses and forsakes, and we call that repenting. But whosoever shall repent, repents is going to find mercy. Secret sin will not only eat your lunch, it'll steal your lunch pail. Okay? When, we, when, we, when we're dealing with guilt, I, and I had, to, I had such a, it's such a great, a couple of weeks ago, met with a person living in another state, passing through, and called and said, I need to talk to somebody. And, uh, and uh, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm so busy, I drew the short straw, I was there, and, and I'm thinking, Lord, I've got all this stuff to do. And the, the person came and sat down, and it was just a wonderful, it was a God time. It was one of the God times, you know, when God likes saying, what? You know, you got an agenda, and God kind of chuckled and laughed. Let me, are you going to follow me? Yeah. But we, we, we had one. But this person was, was so, matter of fact, the guilt, they were, they were so guilty. They felt so guilty. And Satan was had a load of guilt on them that they could come, not come out from under, even though Christ had already taken it. They were, they, were, they were a Christian. But sometimes just in living, just in life, Sometimes Satan blindsides us. And when he gets us down, he, Satan is not a, what, what they call this kind of fighter that when they knock you down, they go back to the corner and they let you get back up. I mean, that's fighting. I guess that's, is it Kingsbury's rules? I'm not good with fighting or cards. Is, it King, is it that what it is? Okay, if you knock somebody down, you back. I don't know. Satan's not, Satan is a brawler. If he ever gets you down, discouraged, or defeated, he will stomp on you. And he will try to push you through the floor. This person and I spent some neat, 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 neat time together. And uh, got a card from last several days. Said, I am walking in freedom that I never knew I could enjoy. Now, you see, when we bring to light that which Satan is forcing, is pushing upon us. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I share with this person. The Holy Spirit of God and a Christian, when we sin... There is a conviction. That means there is a bringing to our light. Man, I've, 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 hurt, I've broken God's heart. I've broken his law. I need to confess this and, re, and repent of this because there's mercy to be had. When we fail to do that, Satan brings condemnation. The, re, the, the goal of God, of the Holy Spirit, of conviction of the Holy Spirit, the goal is always Forgive, repentance, forgiveness, restoration. That's his goal. He wants us in relationship with him. Satan, on the other hand, when we sin, brings, he wants to condemn us. And the, reason, and the goal of condemnation is to always lie to you, if you're a believer, to lie to you and to tell you that you ain't who, you, who God said you are. You're not, you're not that. You're just a scumbag. You're a, you're a lowlife. You're not, you know, this is who you are. But God brings freedom. I, I can't, I've got to go. I don't know why I want the Lord to want me to share that. But just know, I don't know if there's secret sin in your life. 
I don't know what the point of no return is for you. I just know in my life there was a time when I was, and it started little, but it got big. Never murdered anybody, never done a major drug bust or a lot of things like that, but, but sin got big and my, my relationship with God was really hurting and broken. And there come a time with me when just as clearly, more clearly than any voice from any person could ever be, when God said to me, you're going to deal with this now or I'm going to deal with it. I don't know what that point is. But if you're dealing with that, you need to stop now. You need to repent. Then you need to accept his forgiveness and walk and live in relationship with him. Okay, that's the second thing I learned. Third thing I learned from Passover. Look in verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take eat, this is my body. That was different. This is my body. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to his disciples saying, drink all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. But I say to you, I will, let me just stop right there at 28. Stop at 28 for just a second because there's something here. The third thing that just stood out to me is in this Passover, in this Passover, Jesus reminds us of the reason he came. Jesus didn't come to teach you and me or to teach the world how to be good people. He came to die for my sins because sins had separated Genesis 3, Dirk last week, in the beginning. Our sin had broken that relationship with God. And Jesus came to die. His mission was to give his life a ransom so that he could save us, to die in my place. Have you accepted that gift? For God so loved the world, I've got it, I've got it wrote right here, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That believeth in him is not just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's to believe and put your trust in. Have you done that? This Passover reminds us that's why I came. One, one final thing. Actually, two tidbits here. I'm actually getting out pretty early. <clears throat> if you've got reservations somewhere, you're probably going to be early. I don't know. I'm just messing with you. All right, verse 29. But I say to you, I will not drink. That's a big word. Henceforth. I, I, I think he's saying, I, I'm not going to drink this. I'm not going to share this meal with you anymore. The fruit of the vine. Until that day when I drank it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Do you realize that? In the Passover, there is such a promise of a future with him in his place, in his house. That'll be a day we have lunch with Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb. Can you imagine that? Soup, beans, chocolate cake, cornbread, fried catfish. I, you know, and, and don't get all been out of shape and say that. The Bible don't say that. I know that. I'm just saying, whatever we need, whatever. I, can you imagine what he's going to have? Oh, fried okra. That was so good. Golly bum. Whatever. But the promise is, he's saying, hey, guys, 
I'm going away. But that's not the end of it. We got an eternity to spend together. And I'm looking forward to it. All right, let me, let me get verse three because verse three is something that's, I don't want to leave without it. Actually, Jackie told me not to leave without it. So I'll, I'll blame this on her. Between her and Barbie and the Holy Spirit, I, I am surrounded by good counselors. I really am. All right, verse 30. <clears throat> and when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. He was strengthened by worship. Do you realize that? And we can't afford to lose sight of that. A lot of you have got your, your, uh, your radio. There, there's some good gospel stations and some other, some other stations that have good gospel programming at different times. And it's amazing how that can be so timely. You get in your vehicle and you're headed somewhere and you're just dealing with all this stuff and all of a sudden... God's got somebody singing on the, on the radio a reminder of his goodness or his grace or his forgiveness or his mercy or his power. Paul come in this morning, <clears throat> Paul and Garnet, and Paul said, I've had this old, end of an old song on my, on my mind and I can't, I can't figure it out. And we knew it immediately as, as uh, God's love can make the vilest sinner clean. You remember those words? <clears throat> I couldn't think of it either, but Siri knew. Yeah. <laughs> so we seared her. That song, <clears throat> hey, you just don't know what you've got technology, technologically wise up here with me. I know how to do that stuff. <clears throat> Craig is, <laughs> Craig is, <clears throat> but we, we're seared. And I think that the name of the song was, yes, I know, yes, I know that Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner clean because his experience, he's sharing worship. Think about this. Jesus worshiped with his disciples and now he goes to the garden where we're going to pick it up. He goes to the garden where the, where the father ministers through an angel as the battle is won in the garden. Because there, Jesus said, okay, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. But by the way, Father, I come to do what you want, not what I want. We're going to stop right here. Um, learn so much in the Passover. God's in control Sin's never hidden. Why Jesus came to deal with our sin, and that is there's a promised future for those who know him as their Savior. Well, Lord, it's, it's um, wow, what a, what, a, what a morning it's been for me. Just a, in your word and have the Holy Spirit of God just as a reminder of, of your power, of your sovereignty of your glory and of, of your love, how you deal with us with our sin, why you came, and of, and of a promised future that's out of this world. Father, it's my prayer that whatever we're going through today, whatever these children of yours that are here this morning as believers, that we just walk in that relationship re- remembering who you are and how much you love us. And Father, there's very, very blocky that there may be some here that's like what Wesley was when he went to Sunday school class. He, he knew that there was a God and he may have knew that there was a God who loved him. But Sunday school class, he just said, you know what, God, I want your forgiveness. <laughs> you love me enough to die for me. I want you to forgive my sins. And that, that, if that's you this morning, I'd encourage you just to tell him, say, God, it doesn't matter how old you are, 
It doesn't matter how young you are. And you say, well, Jerry, you don't, you don't know who I am or what I've done. No, nope. but God does. And he loves you. And you can't, as, as Lee Roy would say, you can't keep him from loving you. If that's you this morning, maybe you just need to ask him and say, God, please come and forgive me. Father, we give you all the glory and honor that's to do you. We can't give it all. We, everything we give to you. And if there's any good, it's because you've done it. If there's any lives changed, it's because you've changed them. Help us to walk in love with each other in a relationship with you. And that's good. In Christ I pray. Amen.